calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hey everyone, this is John Roca, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well, let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. know uh we're having a little fun performing off screen the uh theme song my dude the mic's hot you know this is what the kids are doing nowadays so i'm trying to learn that move uh for the geek buddies so exciting uh, to uh be uh, back together again on this official one year anniversary of the geek buddies Hey! That's right. We are back again. Exciting uh, news. It's hard to believe it's been a year. It's kind of crazy to think about that it's been a year since we're doing the show. And I think we've done a show every week, uh, no matter what, or we've like, recorded ahead of time or during the Christmas break. But I think we did a show almost every week. So almost 52 weeks of shows that we have done here on the Geek Buddies. Kind of crazy to think about, you know, because I remember we first started wondering if we were really going to keep doing it. And, uh, you know, we all got pulled away for separate reasons to do other things that cause us to miss some shows. But we kept doing it, kept going it. And, and we're having a great time now. We got a new funky new theme. Uh, oh, sorry, funky new video to introduce the show. It's it's great. So uh, uh, I am John Roke. I'm a writer, producer and host here in Los Angeles, California. 
I am uh, Mike Vogel. I am a writer and producer of animated TV shows and movies, as well as a seasoned podcaster now. <laughs> yes. Is it a year? Is that when the season kicks in? Is it is it 12 months, John? Well, it's certainly Mike's idea of it, so I'm going to accept that if that's how he wants to call himself. I, call I, myself, appreciate... I call myself a professional. There we go. That's how it's dropped. <laughs> and this is Shannon McClung. I'm an animation writer and a professional television hey. actor where you may have seen me on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Goldbergs, and 911. And by Mike Vogel's definitions, I am also a professional <clears throat> podcaster. I love it. <laughs> when is the... Do you have anything new coming soon, Shannon? Do you have anything new in terms of uh, shows or anything? No. Because they're no. still auditioning people. It, well, I mean, there, there, uh, there's a lot of um, there, there's a lot of kind of virtual generals that are going on right now for our oh, audience. Yeah. A general audition is when a is when a casting office um, brings someone in that they don't really know, but there's something about them that they want to get to know. So I've right. done I've done a handful of. Of virtual generals, but outside of that, I mean, I know there's like some 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 bigger roles being yeah. cast that are that are above my pay grade <laughs> at the moment. Um, but no, I don't have I don't have anything in the can. I'm gonna have my new comedy reel coming out soon. If any of our listeners want to click on that, he's a very funny guy. You should definitely click on that <laughs> for sure. <laughs> my, oh. my, Mike Vogel's timing is stellar as always. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I know that sarcastic tone. That's Shannon McClung. That's what that is. I know that comedy. Any day. Uh, so anyway, we're back again this week. Uh, we're going to talk. Uh, for those of you who are new, thank you so much for taking a chance on the Geek Buddies. For those of you who are returning, thank you so much for continuing along with us on this one-year anniversary of the show. We're going to tackle three subjects. You guys know it. We tackle three geek news items. We all talk about them. And then we take a little bit of a break for our uh, podcast listeners so they can enjoy some ads uh, from the sponsors of the show. And then we jump into our main topic. And today's main topic, daddy it is the mount rushmore of superhero movie performances that's right that means four there's only four presidents on mount rushmore so you only get four choices this is going to be controversial a lot of uh virtual fisticuffs will be thrown i think uh about this to find out who or to hear our top four uh uh mount rushmore performances and by the way there'll be our separate top four Mount uh, uh, Rushmore performance. Do you think? Do you think we might be able to? I listen. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to yeah. be here all day long. I, do you think we could have our four individuals? And do you think we could duke it out to come up with like the Geek Buddies top four? Well, that's like crossing over to top ten territory. But I suppose we could try it. As, as, long, as, saying, as long as, guys, as Matt notes doesn't listen, hear about it, I think we're fine. You yeah. guys have you guys have a top ten formula of the math. I don't even understand. I've I've I've, I've listened to it. I. Don't understand the math. It's like my brain touch shorts out. I'm just saying, can the four of us come to a gentlemanly agreement without getting into uh, getting out the pens and paper? I mean, we'll see. We'll see if the nerd rage pops up. Because you say that now, and then the second number three isn't your number three. Then all the gentlemanly. I've seen you battle. Am, the gentlemanly goes right out the window sometimes. I am perfectly. I am perfectly happy to come to a group assessment as long as the group agrees with what I think is the right answer. Exactly. Sp spoken as a true Hollywood executive producer. I respect that. And a showrunner. Uh, anyway, all right. And, 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 and for our audience, you'll know when Mike's done with the argument, when he goes, it's fine, it's fine, whatever you guys want. <laughs> yes, that's true. That's usually the end of the I argument. Get, He's uh, done arguing it. Henry, Henry Gilroy, who's uh, you know, executive producer on Clone Wars and uh, Rebels and a bunch of other shows, he makes yeah. fun of me 
constantly because apparently when i was the executive on some shows that we worked with uh worked on together like gi joe renegades and other stuff when he would turn in a script and i would give him notes and he would respond he would argue like i'd say hey i feel like you should do this and then he'd be like i really think that this is the what she should happen in the show apparently i would preface anything by saying well you're not wrong but <laughs> and then proceed to tell him all that he was wrong so occasionally I'll just be like laying on the couch, like watching TV and I'll get a text from Henry Gilroy that just goes, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> that's perfect. No offense, but you don't know what you're talking about. You start there. That's essentially, I'm no reading between the lines. No offense. No offense. I said no offense. No offense. No offense. You, you can't just say no offense. Uh, that's how it works. Uh, anyway, all right, so we're going to jump into our geek news items. I think today we're tackling. Uh, so, oh yeah, anyway, we'll just do it. Uh, we'll surprise the audience. And see what we're tackling if they haven't read the title of the episode. Uh, go ahead, who's first? I think Shannon, you're first, right? Yeah, speaking of superheroes, we have some more release date shifting a happening. So, mm-hmm. everybody remembers a couple of weeks ago when they basically bumped the MCU up by one Black yeah. Widow went to November, Eternals went to February, and so on and so forth. So, it looked like in 2021 we were actually going to be getting four MCU films. Yeah. We were supposed to get the Eternals in February. Uh, what I'm counting for you. That was one. Yeah. (laughs) Shang-Chi in May. Two. Spider-Man three in July. Three. And Thor love and thunder in November. Is that right? Am I saying it right? I think I'm saying it right. I think so. Well, now wait, 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 wait. Anyways, Doctor Strange 2, (laughs) which was originally supposed to come out in May. That's the one that got bumped in November, and it bumped Thor to February of 2022. That's right. So basically, Doctor Strange has been moved to, hey, look at that, to March of 2022 because Spider-Man 3 has now been moved from its July date to November. So now the MCU 2021 release schedule is as follows. We have Eternals in February. We have Shang-Chi in May. Wrong one. And now Spider-Man 3 in November. So what that means for 2022 now is Thor, Love and Thunder, has been backed up a week to, I think, February 7th. Yeah. We get Doctor Strange 2 in March, Black Panther in May, and Captain Marvel in July. So 2022 has now become a very packed yeah. uh, Marvel year. And also, what does this mean for WandaVision and right. Loki? Both of those series are supposed to tie in to the Doctor Strange sequel. Originally, they were supposed to come out, I believe, in September or October or November of this year. Yeah. Where right. now, I mean, who knows? They could be backing it up through the following <coughs> fall. So. When we get out of this craziness, when we get out of this pandemic craziness, we've got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Go ahead, it's Mike. Kinda, I was, it, it, it's kind of like, it just reiterates what we've been saying that, you know, with everything going on, with all of these movies being pushed, like when we do get out of this pandemic, uh, once the movies do start rolling in, we are just going to have a glut of movies like it's yeah. in off seasons and seasons where we, we shouldn't have had big movies and stuff like there's just going to be so much to see. But as we've been saying over the past several weeks, Marvel has a unique problem because they can't just shuffle the deck as much like right. they have an order and there is a reason that these movies are. So as they shift things around, everything sort of moves. It's like rearranging uh, deck chairs on the Titanic. Uh, hopefully. <laughs> 
hopefully a good Titanic that doesn't sink. We'll see how it all goes. Good point. Uh, but, um, maybe, maybe that wasn't my best analogy, but you get what I'm saying. Are your feet, uh, hey Tom? Are your feet wet? Is that it's a little weird? It's a little weird. What's happening, uh, Mr. Stark? Blah uh... <laughs> blah 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 blah. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, I think that um. Oh, there's Namor. I, I, yep. I think you're right. I think it's exciting. Like I think that the end result, despite I'm sure headaches for everybody who's working yeah. on these films and working on promoting these films and everything keeps moving around. Uh, I think the end result is just going to be we've been out of the mcu for about a year now with endgame and uh, spidey you know we're, it's been a while uh and then once we jump into black widow it is just going to be ba-doom 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 and we yeah. are going to have so much to be excited about so well, and this, that's, that's good i agree and this is the thing that's so interesting and, and it's one of the pitfalls of marvel right those rare moments when you can say marvel has a bit of a pitfall here they this was the only way to stop them was to have something like a pandemic uh kind of have to make them move everything around and so now marvel has to kind of like you know troubleshoot the situation and adapt and improvise uh right now because their movies can't come out just on their own right joker could have come out on its own had nothing to do with wonder woman nothing to do with aquaman nothing to do with batman bad the batman could have come out on its own if they're not connecting it up I think it could have absolutely been its own thing. But with Marvel, nothing really comes out that isn't in some way connected to everything else. So this is the this is the perils of that situation. It works out when it works out for 23 movies. It really did. But now that they've had to move everything around, it's a little more of like, okay, where's the right window? Does this make sense? Okay, are we going to have to readjust the shooting? We, and I wonder, are they going to change some topics, some themes to mention this coronavirus? To call, Are they going to shoot scenes now that weren't originally in the film? Are they going to write them and kind of throw it in there as a way of like kind of, you know, kind of connecting to it? I know it's five years later after the snap, but it doesn't mean they can't reference something about it in some way so i would be surprised if no mcu goes by in 2021 and 2022 mcu movie that is and not have some kind of smart ass reference to the pandemic or covid or the idea of delaying or, or productions or whatever or you know like those inside jokes from oceans 13 years like hey maybe uh you know put on a little weight next time we should yeah maybe we should get a bunch of kids you know uh, yeah i'll see you when i see you those little in jokes about each other's film careers those meta jokes you could see those popping up in the MCU, but other than that, I think it's I think it's smart. You move everything back this way; people have time to take that breath and get excited and get that anticipation building for those films coming out. Uh, my concern is I just don't I just hope there isn't a second wave of this coronavirus and this COVID nineteen because then we're looking at 2024, 2025. and that's kind of scary to think about. To be honest, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think if we get into a second wave at 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 a certain point. Uh, as much as they don't want to, at a certain point, I think we will get something like a Black Widow on video on like I think something no. will have to release just because I don't think they want to push the schedule that much. Right. Um. So yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. I would say I would pay good money to see uh Thor and Loki have a have a Zoom have a Zoom chat like have an <laughs> argument on Zoom. So like yeah, sure, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> I'm totally worth it. <laughs> With hella hella from someone from Serta. Anyway, uh, yeah. So. Uh, <laughs> What's our second? Uh, is that good? We're, I think we're good, uh, right? What's our yeah, second one? Yeah, yeah. Speaking of speaking of Zoom chats and uh, entertainment that is Corona related, uh, if you are watching this uh, on Thursday, yeah. uh, when we, when this releases, then tonight, Thursday, April 29th, uh, you have something exciting to look forward to on NBC. Uh, they are airing a Parks and Rec special uh, that was shot 
uh, in the age of the corona pandemic and is about living in the age of the corona pandemic. Uh, you know, Mike Shore, the co-creator of Parks and Rec, uh, got together with a handful of writers. They wrote the script in three days. They sent these little rigs with tripods and iPhones to all the actors. Uh, they all shot their scenes on the iPhones. Uh, and they also, I was reading, they enlisted the Good Place graphics and effects team to make sure that it didn't just look like everyone was sitting at home alone staring at their computer. So I'm not quite oh. sure what that means or how that's gonna, uh, what that's gonna mean as far as like what we're gonna see, but we are getting the entire Parks and Rec cast together. Uh, as I said, Thursday, the 29th. So if you're watching this today, it's tonight. If you're watching this later, I hope you saw it. Uh, mm. But we are super excited. It's one of my favorite shows. Leslie yeah. Nope is one of my all time favorite characters on television. Uh, and if anybody is going to, uh, to make it work, to make life work in the age of Corona, it's gonna be Leslie Nope. So yeah. this is exciting. If you are a huge Parks and Rec fan, uh, it airs at 8.30, but at eight o'clock, uh, they're also airing a special, the Paley Center Salute to Parks and Rec, hmm. that kind of is a salute to the show itself, has some uh, clips, goes through some of the best memories of the show before you gear up for the brand new Parks and Rec episode. So I'm super excited. What do you guys think? Yes, 100%. Um, Parks and Rec is one of those shows that's that's comfort food. I mean, it's one of those shows that you you go back to when you're feeling down. You just want to revisit the crew from, from Pawnee, Indiana. And in the day or in the age of, you know, reboots where everyone, like they had the Will and Grace reboot, they're doing mm -hmm. the Mad About You reboot. Everyone has been asking, like, when are we going to get a Parks and Rec reboot? When are we going to get a, a reboot of The Office? The idea that the the Parks and Rec special episode, which is being done for charity, if if, if I is that correct, Mike? Yeah. It is. Yes, yeah. it is being done by, done for charity. Uh, I forget the charity's name. It mm. is. It's 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 a it's a food bank charity. It's a food bank. It's yeah. uh, it's a food bank in supporting the COVID nineteen relief. Yeah. But this group of people, they're just such a joy to watch together. And we're going to get some answers. We're going to get to see what not only what have they been doing in the five years since they've been on the air but how they're actually dealing with uh, the, this, this, uh, this pandemic, the, the age of social distancing. How is that gonna affect their relationships? Um, if anything, I think it's probably gonna be very heartwarming and very funny. Yeah, and Mike Shore actually said, you know, he had no real intention of ever doing any of those reunion episodes, but that the coronavirus was just too compelling a reason that, you know, <clears throat> I think with uh, with the final season, he kind of said everything he wanted to say about these characters, but just the thought of how all of, how the Ron Swansons uh, and the Leslie Nopes and everyone else would be reacting to the coronavirus was just too compelling and they just felt they had to do it. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, uh, there's maybe this is top three ever in the history of sitcoms for me, Parks and Rec. Uh, like Shannon said, it is comfort food, but it's beyond comfort food. It's something, because like Seinfeld is comfort food. This to me is something Not else. that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing wrong with it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you pulled it up on Netflix, then yada, yada, yada. It was time to go to bed. <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, is that, 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 you know, master of my domain, all of that. But yes, the pirate shirt, all great stuff. And, and they're fun. They're fun throwaway things you're going to watch while you're having a little bit of TV dinner or make some dinner, sit down on the on the coffee table. 
But there was something about Parks and Rec that was special. And that's what I, that word really does connect to Parks and Rec. It was special. It was sweet. It was vulnerable. It was honest. And, you know, it found a way to, to kind of weave in this message about uh, politics and about government and how it can help and help it can help people and work for the greater good, uh, even though the people there sometimes don't appreciate it, don't see it, or maybe aren't you know that aware of what's happening. It still was. It never made it made fun without being evil, and it it uh, allowed you to show all the faults and all the characters as well. So no one was perfect, and everyone had their own thing. It's just about which character that you connected with the most. You know, Ron Swanson is my spirit animal. I've said this a million times. There's no one else I'd rather be on television than Ron Swanson. Uh, I want to see his thoughts about. Uh, going to work and opening up the businesses. I can't wait to see his rants about those on uh, on uh, parks on this Parks and Rec episode. I'm sure he's going to have some angle to play, and uh, so uh, all of it. And I wonder which version of the cast is coming. Are we going to get Rashida Jones? Are we going to get um, believe, yeah. Rob Lowe? Are we going to get like? Are we going to get everybody aside from maybe that guy from the first season who said he's never going to come back I believe, and do the show? I believe it is the entire cast. Okay. Uh, From the second season on. Yeah. Uh, yeah. When entire cast by like the, the core cast that we ended up with, like everybody okay. at the end of the day. Uh, and, you know, to your point, you know, Mike Shore, who did, who co-created uh, Parks and Rec and went on to do Good Place afterwards. I agree yeah. with you. Like he, his shows are inherently optimistic about the yep. world. They don't yep. say that the world is perfect. They're not super naive. Like they point out the bad in the world they point out the 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 things that are not great whether it be hell or the people living in pawnee indiana but inherently at the end of the day they are happy shows that reaffirm the best values like they show the best of humanity uh and that's really what we need right now so i cannot wait I wonder if yeah. Lil Sebastian will, uh, the imitator Lil will. Sebast- Listen, got to be in <laughs> there, right? He better, better at least be mentioned. R.I.P. Lil Sebastian. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, and I want, I want to see. Uh, I'd like to see the owner of Sweetums. I'd like to see her show up in some way, trying to get people, trying like in her little mask and trying to hand out candy to the kids and being stopped from doing that. So hopefully, there's some mini sketches within these zooms that can uh, work overall. But I'm very happy they're willing to do it because if there's one. A show I wanted to come back in some form. It was this one. And I like that they're only coming back in this way instead of the Will and Grace route or the other route that people want to see. Much like I'm happy the Friends is going to be a reunion show, not a let's do some yeah. sketches. Let's do another episode. I like that. Some things are better left untouched and revisited, but untouched. And I think that's I will, what this feels like. I will say, uh, I'm sure we have listeners that are of every political viewpoint. So this is not, you you don't have to agree or disagree with this, but I, I was, uh, I was not the most thrilled when Trump was elected into office. Not my first choice, not my favorite thing. Um, to just put that mildly. And Mike Shore actually wrote like right after that happened, he wrote uh, a letter, uh, uh, editorial from Leslie Nope, like how Leslie Nope felt about the election. And I'm telling you, I think that letter from Leslie Nope got me through the first week or so. Of, uh, of of Trump being the president, the income being com- the, the incoming president of the United States. So right. if if I ever needed anybody, as much as Ron Swanson is your spirit animal, Leslie yeah. Nope is mine. So bring it on. It makes so much sense.
And Tom is uh, Tom Harverford is uh, Shannon's. I was waiting for that. (laughs) (laughs) Treat yourself, Shannon. Treat yourself. And because Uh, he's little. (laughs) Well, more I meant entrepreneurial, but yeah, okay, okay, sure. I'll take the little thing. That's fine. Oh, I meant little. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> We're in so much anyway, all right, let's move on. So we'll see. Yeah, to, as Mike said, this is uh, uh, 29th of April, 8 p.m. PT for the Paley thing, and then 8.30 p.m. PT for the actual oh, – I'm sorry, 8.30 p.m., right? Because I'm sure it'll, it won't show 8.30 uh, PT – how can I say this correctly? It's 8.30 p.m. wherever you're at. That's when it's showing. So get yes. off my ass. That's where it's showing. So enjoy that. All right. Anyway, let's move on to our next story. And that is this AMC versus Universal situation happening. Ooh. It's uh, This is blowing up like crazy. This is all over a sweet kids film called Trolls World Tour. What are we talking about here? Uh, this is madness that is happening uh, on a grand scale. Maybe the studios and um, uh, the uh, movie theaters have been in lockdown for too long either. And they were itching for a fight because they could and yell at their assistants so now they're going to yell at, at each other uh this came about because wall street journal uh issued a report about how much money trolls world tour made on pvod that's uh premium video on demand it is not video on demand where you can own it it's premium video on demand where you can only buy it for two days for twenty dollars it made almost a hundred million dollars uh and it's uh, overall so far uh and so that prompted the ceo of universal pictures to step out and say that we uh we're happy about the numbers and we can't wait till we get the theaters back open so that we can start exploring dropping these films day and date which means both on video and in the theaters at on the same day for people to watch and of course at home you'd only watch it in the same format to uh, for two days on 20 bucks and then in the, you go to the theater to watch it there this prompted the ceo of amc I think Adam Aaron is his name to come out with a statement saying this is uh, the Universal uh, is uh, making a big mistake here. We will now no longer show Universal Pictures uh, or the pictures from Universal Studios if uh, if they're going to drop them on the same day uh, for digital. And, and so and this is globally. That's over a thousand theaters now that will not show Universal Pictures films. Uh, and this includes the Fast 9 franchise and the Despicable Me franchise and a number of other uh, films that they have coming out. Uh, unless, Jurassic World. Yeah, uh, Jurassic World. Yeah, unless they step away uh, from this uh, plan. And then the National Association of Theater Owners chimed in later on that day and said Universal has a history of doing this. They're trying to break down the window, the, the 75 to 90 day window between when a film comes out on uh, uh, in the theater and is available for people to rent, to watch on digital uh they're trying to destroy the window uh and so then then that is so interesting when you look at all this going on and we'll address the second part of it, which is the oscars part of it but let's address this first what do you guys think about this because there's some strong statements from both universal and amc and the national association of theater people digging their heels in the dirt correct me if i'm wrong because what universal said universal didn't say they were going to do this with all movies but they did say that once they get back once we get back to normal they would like exit they would look and see that exactly. some movies would come out day and date with v, with premium video on demand mm-hmm. and some wouldn't so like i assume that in their mind some of their bigger things just like disney is doing yeah. like the fast and the furious franchise or the jurassic world franchise would maybe still come out in theaters whereas smaller films they might do or family films they might do day and date i'm there was sort of a statement that was made like we're going to explore this and AMC came out and said, if you do this, we're not airing, we're not doing anything. Like we yeah. aren't gonna do any of your movies. So it was it was a struggle. I I did kind of just it, it's horrible and it's bad, and I wish everybody wasn't fighting. 
but it made me laugh because holy yeah. shit like this is like yeah. this is like some playground dirt kicking on a global scale it, yeah. it's it's kind of bananas and i don't know i was i was having a discussion with some people yesterday on who was going to blink first on this mm-hmm. uh and i think universal is going to blink first but i don't know like amc you know as 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 has been widely reported yeah. is virtually bankrupt there might not be an amc when we get out of this global pandemic. I mean, movie theaters yeah. are being hit so hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that probably is a little bit of this, like they're in this like fight or flight, what is going to happen to us mode. And so for yeah. Universal to come out and be like, yeah, screw the movie theaters. They're like, you know, fuck you. Like, it was, <laughs> well, and, and uh, you're, you're right about this, Mike, because AMC had to recently, I think last week, uh, they were able to secure $500 million of additional funding to keep themselves alive. And some of the Wall Street analysts that had been predicting that bankruptcy was the way to go with AMC are now saying that they think the stock is neutral. So to go from bankruptcy to neutral is a positive overall. So I think they're just throwing their chests out. In the, It's like it's like that person you're beating up and then they go, okay, one last thing to try. Stay down, man. Stay down, man. And they I keep getting back up. Day. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the difference. That worked out in a positive. This doesn't, I don't know if this one's going to work out in a positive. Okay, okay. I don't think Universal is going to um, uh, blink. I think it's going to be the theaters. I think the theater needs the product or those, they don't, they don't exist anymore. Studios will find a way to make profit. They're a business, right? They'll just go to VOD. Oh, you can't watch a theater. Guess what? We'll just put it on PVOD. You can watch it there. No big deal. We'll make our money. Are we making less money? Okay, let's fire a bunch of these people. Let's, you know, kill departments. This is what they'll do to, to achieve their bottom line of making money. So I think the studios have all the advantage here. Shan, what do you think about this overall thing? I think the whole situation, as Mike said, you know, you kind of laugh about it and it's unfortunate because, yeah. you know, uh, you know, drawing those lines in the sand right now, it does it right now. It doesn't matter. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like we can't, we can't do anything about it. I mean, I think universal coming out and saying, yeah, we're going to explore this. Eh, maybe you shouldn't have said it. Be like, listen, you, you had to have known yeah. that this statement was going to cause some tremors throughout your industry. So like, and then maybe, maybe just don't say it, but then AMC coming back and say, well, then we're not going to show any of your movies. It's just, it's just the silliest pissing match in in a time where everyone should kind of, people have real concerns right now. Yeah. And whether or not they're going to be able to see trolls at at an AMC theater, it shouldn't be one of them. I, (laughs) I do think though, I mean, and John, you've been saying this. I mean, we were talking about this even before, uh, any of the Corona stuff happened before mm. we were all stuck at home. You've talked about this, that, that this is like, I think that this was always coming down the road yeah. with the streaming services and everything else. Like it's, it's been on the horizon. And I think that everything that's happened with global, the global pandemic and quarantine over the past several months yeah. has just escalated it because the studios were forced to do something that they probably wouldn't have tried uh, for quite some time. But right. the second that, Invisible Man and Trolls 2 and everything kind of came out. And the second that Trolls 2 had the 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 response it had, because one of the things that I would love to see, uh, you know, knowing a lot of our friends who have kids, <laughs> you know, that 48 hour window is not a long time. You get Trolls 2 and your kids are obsessed with it. Yeah. You're going to shell out $20. Yeah. 
Well, a couple it, times probably to like the kid. I want to watch Trolls 2 again. You're like, if it's going to keep you quiet for like two hours, I'm in. $20, <laughs> worth it, worth it. So I'll be interested to see that. But like, cause, And I think the same thing would be true if, you know, if we had Black Widow for 20, for 48 hours, oh, I'd probably yeah. end up getting it a couple times. You know, like I think that yeah. you're like, you're home. You're like, oh, what am I going to do tonight? I'd rather watch Black Widow again than go to the bar and buy a bunch of drinks. So I'll do that. So I do think that this is a reality. I think what you've always said, and I think this is true. And I think this is what Universal was saying too, is that there's mm. some movies that are, we're always going to want to have that theatrical experience. Like the yeah, Fast yeah. and the Furious is the Jurassic worlds, uh, um, the big superhero movies, whatever, like we're going to want to see those on the big screen right. and the trolls too. And the scoobs that we, as we talked about last week uh, might be just as suited. So it, but regardless, that would hurt the studios, the movie theaters. I mean, it would hurt the movie yeah. theaters. So it, it's going to be interesting to see. But I think that this fight has been a long time coming and mm -hmm. we're just getting there a little bit faster. Well, and the National Association of Theater Owners, uh, their, their statement came out and said Universal has a history of doing this. That's a shot. That's like a divorce shot. You know, oh, he has a history of cheating on me. So it's like it's it's like that shot that you take a little harder than you need to. But it seems it's it reads to me like these owners and the people, they're desperate. They're desperate to stay in business. They're desperate not to lose their theaters. They're desperate not to lose their profit. You know, over the last few years, how much has popcorn and all the refreshments, all that stuff has gone up astronomically in comparison to previous decades and the increases in prices. It has been insane how much stuff costs nowadays. And of course, they pushed back uh, the theater owners to Universal and said, well, look, this is an unusual situation. Everybody's forced to be home. So they need entertainment. They need content. This is why you made the $100 million, not because the, the public is demanding that this be the new normal. And so I, I see the logic on both sides but i think this is a very harsh battle and i i think and i said this on mornings with the owl this morning i think whatever side disney lands on is the side that's gonna win i think if disney yeah. goes yeah i'd like we i think we want to we want to explore day and date then I, you might as well put r.i.p on some of these theaters because there's no way they survive if disney starts i know they're doing artemis foul but no one's expecting artemis foul to make any money but if they dropped something bigger than that like mulan on day and date then we have a whole nother conversation. Because, well, because I think it is. And what it really boils down to, I mean, if you're a family of, let's say you're a family of four, you know, mom, right. dad, two kids, um, just getting the kids packed up to the movie theater, yeah. buying the tickets, buying the popcorn, sitting in the theater, everyone else is yeah. like, I like it's like we talk about this all the time. Like for us as grown geeky adults who want to go sit in a big crowded movie theater with other geeky adults and yell and scream when yeah. Cap picks up the hammer, we're going to continue to do that. Like that's yeah. going to be the thing that we do. But yeah, for a lot of these families, the thought of uh, it's Saturday morning and I can just shell out 20 bucks and put, uh, you know, frozen three, uh, the frozening on the kids and call it a day. Like they would do that. So I do think you're right. I think it all is going to come down to Disney between Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar and Disney. Like they are the ones that are going to yeah. call this shot at the end yeah. of the day. I think so too. Uh, and as and and just a, a real quickly, just to connect to this, the Oscars had a meeting yesterday. Well, as we're recording this, it was Tuesday morning. Uh, a Zoom meeting with uh, their fifty. I think their rules committee for a couple of hours. Uh, and made some rules changes to this, which is interesting now on the heels of all the streaming stuff. Talking, they said for twenty twenty, they are going to now allow any film that is uh, in con that any film can be in contention for the Oscars. 
if it streams and is available to the Academy uh, on their website. So as long as it's within 60 days of it being dropped on streaming, it can also be watched on the Academy website for any of the voters, then yes, those films will qualify. Now, I mean, it's so funny. They spent the last three or four years fighting against all these directors and but you know, fighting. Uh, sorry, fighting against Netflix for all these directors, for all these filmmakers. That so that Netflix and any of the streaming services don't get Oscars, don't get qualified, or have to screen their stuff in the theaters. But now, because they want to have a ceremony and they want to give out these awards, uh, all of a sudden now it's okay for these films to be dropped into streaming. And you know, in some way, it kind of works out for the studios too, because now the studios can really go okay. This is a film we wanted to drop this year. We think it could be Oscar contender. Do we take a chance on it and drop it in streaming and see what the reaction is? Whatever. If we believe in it, then we'll do that. And then we'll drop it on the Academy uh, screener we uh, a website so that the voting members can look at it as well. So at that now, I think we'll get we'll start to get more and more content, I think, coming out in streaming because of this decision by the Oscars. It may not be the high end content in terms of uh, possible blockbusters, but I think it'll be high end in terms of quality. And in terms of possible Oscar material, I think we'll see that. They also combined sound mixing, sound editing, and then allowed uh, people who don't have to, they allowed the members not uh, to have to attend a screening of any of these foreign films. They can actually watch it at their houses and vote locally for uh, the best foreign uh, feature, international feature. So what do you guys think about this real quick? Any thoughts on this? Well, it'll be interesting to see. Like, I, I think, especially considering considering the times, I think this is absolutely the right move. Yeah. I yeah. mean, because if, if, a, if a studio does want to get their sort of uh, awards, awards bait film out there, they're, they're probably going to have to release it on streaming. Yeah. I mean, especially like considering who knows when the theater is going to open. What yeah. I think will be really interesting, one, the, the public as a whole, they're going to have more access to those awards caliber films because yeah. they won't have to go out to the theater. What will be interesting is if this pandemic is all over and we're, we're, we're back to a, a kind of a new normal mm -hmm. starting in 2021, what do they do for the following year? I mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't think you can they unring said, the bell. It's only for one no, year. It's only they for said one it was year. just yeah. for this year. Yeah, oh, they really? said it was just for this yeah. year. But I, I actually we'll tend to agree with you. No, no, no like that's. <laughs> I think, right. I think we'll that once you, I think that once you open that box, it's hard to undo it. And I'm sure that the Netflixes uh, and the streaming services of the world will be pushing to keep that box open. So it'll be interesting mm -hmm. to see. I, you know, if it was me, I do think that like this does open up and this kind of gets to the bigger conversation about mm. the theaters and everything else that like, you know, I think that the idea of sort of a, of eventizing around these movies, uh, even if it's on a premium VOD, like, you know, right now with trolls or with any, like once they're out, they're kind of out, like they're yeah. just out right now, like that you can get them and, you know, they're seeing how much money they can get and how, whoa, hold on, we got some dog issues here. What's he doing? trying to knock over my computer. Um, but, uh, but you know, like if, if I had this big Oscar contender and I didn't necessarily want to have it just out on streaming indefinitely, yeah. but to really promote to people who are big cinephiles to say, hey, you know, this Scorsese film or the Spielberg film for this weekend from Friday at noon till Sunday at midnight, this will be streaming and you right. can watch it and you can see it because that's all they really need. They could stream it for 48 hours and take right. it down and then have a screener go to the Academy members and you're good to go. So mm -hmm. it could be an interesting way to build like events yeah. and to uh, really promote your film. And if it's, if it's not something, if you're more concerned about 
getting it in there for the academy than you are about potential box office. It's like, put it out there. It might be an easy way to see the interest, to see who's watching it. I don't know. I think right. it, it opens up the category to doing some really interesting things with how you release things, how you promote things, how you market things. Yeah, things are changing, man. Things are changing and, and there's no stopping it now. There really isn't. And I, I agree with both of you. Once you open this can of worms or this Pandora's box, it's going to re real hard to close it because once the public gets a taste of getting to watch these independent movies or these medium budget or smaller budget films at home, uh, that will change everything because then the, you're creating the demand uh, for it by letting them see these films uh, in the comfort of their homes and not having to go out and deal with kids kicking their chairs or people talking really old people sitting next to each other, talking really loud through the movie or people opening up candy bags in the middle of emotional moments or people on their phones with angry birds. I think more and more people are <laughs> being turned off by the movie. Those, going are, those are very, very specific. Yeah. Well, I feel, like, I feel like you're working I've, through a lot of your issues. With I no issues. Movies. I'll tell you what happened. There's no issues. That's what happened. And there's a lot, I bet there's a lot of people who are watching or listening who have experienced I, that in movie theaters. I'm sure you should. Shannon, wait, Shannon, true or false for all of our, for all of our listeners and everyone who's watching this, John does this thing when he's in a theater and something makes him mad. And if you're sitting next to him, you can see it out of the corner of his eye. He sort of grips the armchairs and like leans forward with like his eyes sort of like daggers. Like, but like, it's yeah. like, he won't say anything, but he sort of just like goes, <laughs> And you can see him yeah. out of the corner of your eye. And you usually know what it is because he's not wrong. Like usually like someone's talking or whatever, yeah. but you just see this moment and you're like, are we going to, are we going to go Here through go. this and be fine? Or is, is Roka going no. in? Is, is he going, is the outlaw, <laughs> is the outlaw going in on this? True. He's gone that, in a that, few times. That, that, that is 100% true. And I, I, and I think um, if you, if you uh, change the direction of the interruption to behind him, it, 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 the oh. lead up is still the same, but then yeah. he does, it's a very sharp, yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah he's still, still lean forward though. It's like a lean forward, and then yeah. sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I shoot my chair back if it's a little kid kicking the chair too much. I'll just shoot my chair as he's kicking it to slam him, to slam his foot. And that happened a couple of times. And I've heard the owl. I've heard the owl. And I've been just like a little smirk on my face. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's right. Yeah, that's, I'm petty. I'm petty sometimes. Let me enjoy my movie. I pay a lot of money for it. Uh, anyway, all right. So there we go. So we'll see what happens. Certainly. This seems like a lot of uh, drama is going to be around this thing, and and we'll see how it all plays out. Certainly, I think we're, I don't think we're going to know anything till July, right? I mean, like Trump is desperate to open these theaters and desperate to save his reelection with this stuff and put people back to work and all of that. Uh, but you know, we'll see. The first time, the first few cases start popping up, popping up of coronavirus in these theaters, we're going to see what happens at that point. And then, you know, do you really care about an Oscars? Like, it's going to be all of that, I think, is going to start happening yeah. over the next few months. I mean, so we'll I think, think to Shannon's point, I mean, as obviously the three of us are people who get really excited about the Oscars yeah, every year. And sure. you do, like, like, I hadn't even thought about the Oscars until you guys were sending that article around yesterday for us to talk yeah. about this. I, it hadn't even occurred to me. It's just like kind of to Shannon's point earlier, like, there's a lot going on in the world right now. And this is not yeah. the stuff that people really care about. Like, it's, it's even us. It's like, I'm like look, let's just get through this. But like, to your point, I mean, you know, Gavin Newsom uh, here in California has released sort of the phases for yeah. getting back into things and crowded things like movie theaters are further down. And he's like, that's not weeks, that's months away. Yeah, I mean, we are, away. we are not anytime soon for movie theaters in California. Yeah, I know in we're, Georgia, you can go out like tomorrow to see a movie, but. <laughs> God help you. But yeah, because we're, we're about to go into May 
And June and July are just around the corner. And July is when AMC was thinking they're going to come back with Tenet and with Mulan. That may not even happen in some cities. And in the big cities, that may not happen. And that's going to cut into profits. And we'll see at that point if these studios still want to release those movies on those dates, certainly for sure. Um, All right. So a lot to to figure out as we go down. We can't figure it out right now. It'll happen as it happens. And we'll analyze it here on the Geek Buddies as it happens. So let's take a quick break uh, uh, so we can hear from our sponsors. And we'll go on with the rest of the show right after this. And we're back. There we go. Ooh. How do you like that? Is that a little more professional? Put a little glare. Maybe we should put some, some music up on that. We should do so, we should do the theme song ourselves. While is that more professional? If we just go dun, 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 dun. for those of you for those of you listening at home, we actually have a banner that comes up as opposed yes. to like me, Roca, and Shannon just leaning into the screen and staring at people on YouTube. So right, right, very <laughs> fancy. We're getting very, very fancy here on the game. <laughs> and during the banner, hopefully, you were listening to the commercials, so it wasn't just dead air just sitting there. <laughs> <for a while. laughs> See, that's perfect. Uh, all right, what's our what's our main topic? Uh, Mikey, why don't you do this one? This was your idea. So let's uh, yeah. present it with the rules, sir, please. So, uh, yeah, of course. So, uh, you know, one of the things that uh, a lot of people have been doing as we've been uh, going along on this quarantine is coming up with all kinds of lists and, uh, you know, who's the best at this? What's the tops of this? Whatever. And, you know, a lot. I've seen this Mount Rushmore thing a couple times now is who are the what's the Mount Rushmore of film directors? What's the Mount Rushmore of acting performances? What's the Mount Rushmore of, you know, all these different things. So we thought we would do the Mount Rushmore of superheroes. Uh, as Roka said at the top of the show, movie, superhero movie performances. Yeah, yeah be so specific. Here is what we are doing today. We are doing the Mount Rushmore of superhero movie performances. That means it was in a movie that was superhero related. So not based on a comic book. It has to be specifically superhero movie Capes, tights, secret identities, okay. powers, the whole thing. Um, we are not going to touch on animated superhero performances mm-hmm. or TV superhero performances, not because they are lesser in any way, but because we would literally be here all day. Those could be completely other lists. We could yeah. do, you know, as we did last week with Batman, with Kevin Conroy, like, you know, it would be, we could do an entire animated superhero. We could do an entire animation. Not much more. So this is live action performances yeah. in a superhero feature. And any performance counts. It can be hero, it can be villain, it can be side character, it can be whatever. But the four iconic performances, the four top superhero performances, like the ones that belong on Mount Rushmore. Uh, and your reasonings can vary. There's different reasons that the different presidents are on Mount Rushmore, but that is that is where we're at. We'll see if we can get to a consensus. We will at least get to each of our top four Mount sure. Rushmores and hopefully, maybe, possibly, a geek buddies Mount Rushmore. <laughs> well, let me if I could borrow some rules from the top ten, which is the show, the podcast I do. For those of you who may not know, Matt knows where we count down the top ten of a topic and then put it together at the end of the show. I think uh, if you say a character, actor, and a performance or a movie that it's in, and it's not on any of our lists, you get to talk about it. However, if you say one but it's higher up on someone else's list, I think we should wait till the highest ranking for all of us to weigh in on it and then maybe explain why we have it where we have it on our ranks. Does that work for you guys? Sure. Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. All Again, right. I, I just did I just did the thing that I said you you started talking about how top 10 yeah. works, and my brain literally went to I think I need to go buy bacon at Gelson's today. Like yeah. I can't like you, like the math, the math, I don't, but yes, I get it. I get Good. it. We'll go down the list. I got it. Okay. No one. I was wondering what the glassy eye look was all about. All right. That, that was it. That was it. All right. Who wants to go? Who goes first, Mikey? You choose. You, you, you came up with this. I say, let's start with the outlaw. 
Uh, okay, so then my number four, uh, uh, Mount Rushmore, is uh, Michelle Pfeiffer in Batman Returns. Is that on anybody's list? You can say it's not on It is on my – I. Well, higher. Yeah. Is it higher? No. It's not – so it's four as well. I, okay, well, so here's what I did. I kind uh-huh. of have like I, – I hadn't quite narrowed down to my top four. I was going to like use this conversation, but nope. she is on my top four. Because I do, she's on. She's my number four. We, we're she's your number four. Okay, okay. Yes. My is it on your list, Shannon? No. Okay. All right. Very so we'll close. Talk about Very oh, close. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll talk about it because it's at number four for both of us. Then, Mikey. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think this this is just a fantastic performance on a on the only film from that whole section that holds up for me of films for Batman. Her performance is extraordinary because to me, it's great that you're a superhero or a villain. Can you find? Can you show the humanity of the character underneath, either good or bad? Show me the humanity. And Michelle Pfeiffer, from the opening scene of her as the you know kind of a confused Selena Kyle character who's scared and mousy, mousy uh, throughout this thing uh, with uh, Chris, when everyone else is doing these outlandish performances, Christopher Walken and uh, you know uh, 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 Danny DeVito, they're all doing outlandish stuff. Exactly, eating fish or spiring umbrellas. <laughs> You know, you could be governor, mayor, uh, that kind of stuff. You have Michelle Pfeiffer, who is like the anchor of this entire movie and her journey, her progression, right? She's a she's a bullied, pushed around secretary who's too nice for her own good and then gets killed. And she becomes this thing. And when she becomes this thing, she is almost like just unstoppable power of energy. And then when she hooks up with Bruce Wayne, I mean, by hookup, I mean, they connect and whatever, you start to see the vulnerability behind the strength. So that Selena Kyle you met at the beginning is still there. It's just hiding behind this wall of strength that she's built for herself to protect herself. So in that dance scene, it's one of those sexiest scenes you'll ever see. And yet her, her realization that he's Batman is heartbreaking. The tear that comes down her eye, you're just like, this is phenomenal acting. So, and delivers the line so well. What do you think, Mike? Uh, everything that you said, 100% agree. Mm. I think that <clears throat> I was thinking through this, and I do think one of the challenges when you take the superhero genre as a whole is even though it's changing recently, it's been pretty much a boys' club. And mm. yes. there's a lot of boy guy performances that we could argue out. But like I was thinking through those amazing, iconic female performances, um, everything from like Haley Atwell and Gal Gadot today, uh, mm-hmm. Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, all the way to Margot Kidder as Lois Lane or Michelle Pfeiffer. And out of all of them, I think Michelle Pfeiffer is great. And kind of to your point, um, I remember when Batman Returns came out and everybody was like so concerned that it was so dark. Yeah. At the time, it was like, this is a very dark movie. And you go back and look at it now, and it is virtually as cheesy as the 60s Batman show. <laughs> it's true. I mean, it is it is so ridiculously goofy. I mean, Danny DeVito operating the Batmobile in that yeah. little McDonald's Batmobile that he had. I mean, it's just so ridiculous. And in this totally ridiculous, totally cheeseball movie, you have Michelle Pfeiffer's performance in the middle of this, and Michelle Pfeiffer's Selena Kyle and Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman you could take her out of that movie and put her in a Marvel Cinematic Universe today. Oh, yeah. And she'd work. Nothing else in that movie would work. Like, everything would be like, you'd be like, the, the tonally, it's way off. She works. She yeah. still works today. I would argue, as iconic as Jack Nicholson's Joker performance is, out of all of those Batman movies, the two Tim Burton movies and the Joel Schumacher movies, uh, Selena Kyle's the best thing to come out of all of them. It still stands up. It's still so iconic. Uh, I think that even though we've had other cat women, 
Uh, since then, we're going to have more Catwomen down the road. I think that she is still the iconic one that everyone aspires to be. Um, yeah. So I think that she definitely deserves a spot up there on uh, Mount Rushmore as our as our lady of iconic superhero stardom. I agree. Uh, Shan, what's your number four? Since we didn't, we both had the same one. Uh, my number four would be Gal Gadot for Wonder Woman. Oh wow! Okay, go ahead. Uh, um, unless it's on your list, Mike, it's not on mine. She is not on my list, okay. but I'm curious to 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 have the discussion. Yep. Um, I think one, just the fact that she is playing the most popular female superhero and one of the most popular superheroes across the board, and what kind of led up to it. Um, Gal Gadot's uh, film career up until up until her casting of Wonder Woman. She, you know, she was in the Fast and the Furious. She was in a couple of the Fast and the Furious movies sure. and wasn't really that great. Um, I know when she was announced to play Wonder Woman for Batman versus Superman and going and researching her a little bit, I was a little like, wow, this seems like a major, major misstep. Yeah. And then again, I didn't care for Donna Justice, but she was one of the highlights. Like, oh, I'm really interesting to see what this person who, again, I don't think is the best performer. I'm really curious to see how she's going to carry a, a whole movie by herself. Mm -hmm. And I think with the, with the direction of Patty Jenkins, I mean, she 100% did it. The fact that the way she was able to play almost like a why, uh, a why wise, but wide eyed wonder yeah. to the world. Um, there was not a false moment to me in that movie at all. Like you were this quiet strength that she is able to convey. Um, the no man's land scene is one of the, to me, one of the top five action sequences in superhero cinema to yeah. date. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what the rest of her film career is going to, to look like, but based off of her performance as Diana, I think 100% Gal Gadot belongs up there. Okay. I, I have nothing bad to say about her at all. Mm. I think everything you said is true. I think she's amazing. I was not excited about her. And I was so angry during Batman versus Superman that I even didn't love her in that. Like I was just sort of like, we'll see. And so even going into Wonder Woman, I was like arms folded. And then kind of to your point, she blew me away. I think she is 100% that role. I think she embodies that role perfectly. I think that the reason that she doesn't make my list is only a matter of time. Like mm. I think Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman has withstood the test of time, has withstood other people playing Catwoman, and she's still iconically the best Catwoman. Mm. Uh, Gal could very well be that. She's just not that yet that because Wonder Woman is so recent. Like, mm -hmm. and I don't know that that's fair. I don't know that that's right. I, I literally think she's spectacular. I agree with every single thing you just said. So I think that uh, she doesn't quite make mine because I'm not sure that her performance is going to be in 10 years the iconic wonder woman performance but it very well could be yeah uh, i i have nothing more to add to, to that i totally agree with both of you totally agree with both of you only only uh, uh just i think because i need to see more and that's a personal choice and a personal taste i just need to see more but i would i wouldn't begrudge you putting it on the list at all shan that's a great choice uh all right who's got the three who's do, do number three now well we no just, we, we got to do mikey oh no mikey you did your number no, four he did his four right. yeah. yeah we were we were the same yeah let's start with so you Mike. Shannon, oh no you got shannon right. go ahead yeah. yeah shannon shannon what's your number three uh my number three is heath ledger for the dark knight oh that's a punt son <laughs> how dare you 
Uh, I have it higher. I'm sorry. I have it higher. Using t- top 10 terminology. Sorry. I have it higher. That's what I would say. I, I actually knew what that meant. I knew, I knew it as like, I know it as a top 10 reference and I think I know what it means in sports, but like, I got it. <laughs> we, we listened to your show, John. Uh, he listened to one. Uh, well, Mike, with, uh, would you say, uh, is it higher on your list too? It's not because there was, I, this was a tough one. He, he was on my list until the very last minute. Uh, it, it was a hard one. So I, I, I could very well, I'm saying I could amend my list before this is over, but as he is currently not on the list. Wow. Wow. I know. <laughs> to, be honest, to be completely honest, it, it literally came down to. You'll see my who my uh, other three are. I had I had Heath Ledger and I had Michelle Pfeiffer, and I uh, really at the end of the day was like, oh, and I I I went I went Catwoman, but okay, yes. All what's right, so we're punting th- that one because it's yeah it's higher, higher on more What's your number? So three? my number three uh, is Hugh Jackman. It's uh, another uh, a punt. So uh, okay. Let's move on. You two crazy mother efforts. All right, my number three. By the way, first of all, Mount Rushmore is not a order from lowest to best. It's a know, but to best just, on the mountaintop. Right, but if we're going to be putting, you know. Uh, my number three is Robert Downey Jr. I put Robert Downey Jr. That's a punch, son. That's oh! a punch. That's the only Shock. time I've ever said that in my life. It's probably the only time I will say that in my life. That's a punch. <laughs> All right, then uh, who got who, who grabs a number two? Uh, well, maybe, maybe, why don't I do show. my number two since that's no, oh, wait, no, no, I'm sorry. Uh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, Mike, you, you do the number two because Shannon did three, I did four, you do two. Well, my number two is Robert Downey Jr. My okay, number three perfect. is did we are we talk? Oh, because you're 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 okay. So, my mm-hmm. number, my number two was Robert Downey Jr. Is that higher on your list, my, uh, Shannon, or is there a two? It, it is number two as well. Okay, so let's talk. Okay, cool. I mean, Robert Downey Jr. is Tony. He is Tony Stark. Which film are like, you choosing? Because you said performances. So, do, are you are you specifically choosing a film, or are you specifically choosing? I was not. I, I'm not choosing okay. a film with him okay. because a particular. So here's, I I think that he, and you know, we're not the first. People, like I don't know that the Marvel Cinematic Universe would be what it is without him. I remember yeah. being at Comic Con, in the. It might have just been the Paramount panel. I don't know if Marvel mm-hmm. had a panel. I don't remember even what it was because it was the beginning of all of this where they showed footage from Iron Man. And yeah. the second it was that shot where he's doing that commercial and the thing blows up behind him or whatever from the first Iron Man movie. And for anybody who knows Tony Stark, it was like, here was an actor who had been incredibly big in his life and had substance abuse issues and had kind of gone through the ringer and had come out the other end. And that literally is the story of Tony Stark. And yeah. so looking not only did Robert Downey Jr. look the part, like looked like Tony Stark stepped out of the comic book, his real life mirrored this character so much. Yeah. And from the from the Iron Man movie, from Iron Man 1 to Avengers Endgame, he maintained this, this, this dramatic character that could say the super funniest thing in the most dramatic moment and also feel some really strong emotions about some really heavy stuff. And he basically defines why Marvel movies work so well. It's that mm-hmm. balance of humor and a wink at the audience, but taking it seriously. And his portrayal of Tony Stark has grounded 10 years of a Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like you just, you you can't, he, he is the character. He represents the franchise. He is the Marvel Cinematic Universe in that respect. Boom. Uh, Shit. Yeah, having not really been an Iron Man reader 
prior to to the MCU. I mm-hmm. mean, Tony Stark to me was always very playboy like and mm-hmm. and and I didn't consider him I didn't think about the charm I thought about the smoothness I'm like that's that's what a playboy is someone that can just glide into any situation and 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 have their way with it and also yeah. with the iron man side it was like he he wasn't dark enough to be batman he he wasn't james bond he was just he was he was the the billionaire playboy yeah when robert downey junior came in and gave him this injection of comedic charm to me, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know if the MCU happens if mm. Robert Downey Jr. is not Iron Man. Because watching Iron Man, again, on the rewatch, Iron Man is a, that movie holds up. It is yep. a blast. Oh, yeah. 90, 85% of that movie is Robert Downey Jr. Like they, right. know, they talk about the other guys that had been up for it. Like Sam Rockwell had been up for Tony Stark. Sam Rockwell's a, incredible actor i love watching sam rockwell i don't know if the mcu happens with sam rockwell as tony stark and just to watch this incredible arc that i mean and and robert downey jr isn't the only guy responsible for it i mean Mm -hmm. you have to give credit to kevin feige and the writers and the directors but this incredible arc that they crafted for the character of tony stark to where he isn't the guy who would sacrifice for someone else to someone who makes the ultimate sacrifice yeah i I think that is 100 percent why robert downey jr is on the Mount Rushmore of superheroes. Yeah, I mean, obviously I agree with you guys. It's just a little bit lower on mine because the other two I just hold in higher estimation, but it doesn't take away anything from what Robert Downey Jr. has done throughout all the movies. I pick Civil War as the one that I really enjoy his performance in the most because they put him through the ringer way more yeah. emotionally with his mom and his dad and all, and then with with uh, Steve, everything that he has to encounter, uh, there was Steve Rogers and Captain America and then Bucky, all that, and then incredible fight, like, Everything about that film really kind of needed Robert Downey Jr.'s incredible acting talents to step up. Because in Iron Man, you do have those moments. I mean, the moment with uh, with uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, the moment with Jeff Fish, with the uh, Jeff, I'm sorry, with Jeff Bridges when they're battling, and the moment in the cave. There are emotional moments for for uh, Stark to play, but most of the time, you know, he's kind of making the charm and winking and smooth and all that, and and trying to you know ease everybody's fears with his charm. Uh, but it's when civil war happens that this turn happens with Tony and you really go along with him and start to understand his journey. And in Endgame, when he's having the decision to come back, I mean, it's like you feel it when he's like, I've got more to lose here. My my wife, my child, like finally I settled down. All that stuff from the past is over. I can enjoy my money and enjoy my life. And yes, I miss my friends, the ones who passed away or we, we lost, but I've enjoyed my life and him coming back and what he has to sacrifice. I mean, damn, it's all of it is just so great. Uh, and that final message to his daughter. So you, you look at all of it in context and it's incredible performance overall through all those movies, but really it's for me, civil war that the turn happens and he is, he is an incredible essential part of, uh, of the, of the franchise. So, uh, all right. Who's, uh, who's number two is next. Oh, is it my, is it, we did your threes, right? Everybody do their threes. Yes. And we yes. did the fours. So then my <laughs> two, is the punt from earlier, or yeah, the Heath Ledger Dark Heath Ledger Dark Knight one? That is, is that on? And it's only on Shannon's list. Is that correct? He's my number three. Yeah, right. It's not on Mikey's list at all, and he's not on mine. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So I mean, uh, I just finished talking. Shannon, you take it. What do you think about the Heath Ledger and the Dark Knight? Well, I mean, uh, personally for me, I didn't want to have more than one villain up on Mount Rushmore, and <laughs> and that is why. Oh. oh, oh. <laughs> 
eloquently <laughs> said. Good guy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that is why Michelle Pfeiffer is not up on Mount Rushmore because when I think wow. of just incredible, incredible villainous turns, um, you can't beat Heath Ledger. I mean, part of it also, as as I was talking about Gal Gadot, were the expectations. Um, you know, when 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 it was announced that he was going to be playing the Joker, uh, there are a lot of kind of snide online comments, partly oh, yeah. because you know the the movie going public in general. They, they, he's, he's the guy from A Knight's Tale, and then you know there were many a uh, tasteless joke made about Brokeback Mountain. Um, to watch what this guy came in and did just totally blowing everyone out of the water. Yeah. His performance, <clears throat> as much as I like Joaquin Phoenix's, um, Heath Ledger is still the ultimate Joker to me. Now, and, and even, even with his passing, <coughs> sorry, guys. <coughs> Corona. Even, yeah. <laughs> even with his tragic passing, I, I, I think that performance still that performance is still the the perennial villain performance that we have in super, uh, superhero cinema. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you, man. And obviously, uh, he's uh, number two on my list, so even more so. Uh, I also think, you know, I saw, I, I remember those comments from people, but to me, seeing him in Monster's Ball as Billy Bob Thornton's son was the first window into the possibilities of this guy as an actor, like the potential of what you can see here, right? It's like that moment you see Brad Pitt and you see him move past the idea of being these quirky characters in these movies and he go and you go, oh, he's got this gear in him. I didn't know that. And when you watch Monsters Ball, it's incredible to see the gear he has uh, as that character. So that when he comes around and does, and by the way, all, all credit to my, like Brokeback Mountain, I, I was kind of on the fence about when I watched it, but every time I revisit it now, Heath is incredible in that. Mail. I mean, yeah. just incredible to revisit a performance in that film. And then you go into something like the Joker and every time you rewatch it, you fall in love with that performance all over again. Like it's such a rare performance, regardless of genre. It's such a rare performance in any genre that you can watch someone and fall back in love with them as that character all over again. You know, he's, he's, there is no rules. There's no barriers. There's such joy in how he's playing the Joker that you go along with it, even though he's doing terrible things to people, you go along with it, you know? And I almost feel like Villanelle in Killing Eve is a version of a female Joker. She's essentially that. The chaos is what attracts her. Breaking the rules are what attracts her. Exposing the lies that we've built society on uh, and the things we tell ourselves is her attraction Is her attraction to doing that. Same thing here with the Heath Ledger's Joker. That'll never go away for me. Uh, and he's so essential. So essential, man. And it's a shame we never got another one. Or, or you know, and as much as I love Joaquin <clears throat> Phoenix's performance, it just, it, it's a Heath, I'll still always turn to Heath every single time. So that's, uh, that's uh, there. Uh, all right, so who's number two have we not done? Mike, yours, right? Right. My number two is Hugh Jackman. Okay. So That's still a is punt. Is that your – Okay. It's another punt for you. Okay, so we're, we're, we're holding off on that. Yeah. Who has who has a two that we haven't talked to? Have we talked about everybody's two, three, and four? Yes. Yeah, mine, right. mine is – yeah, mine is Michelle Pfeiffer, okay. Robert Downey Jr., then Hugh Jackman. So, right. Shannon's yours is Gal, Robert Downey Jr., Keith Ledger. Keith okay. RDJ. Yeah. All right. So so we're to number one. We know what so, John is. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, do we, who, who's, uh, all right. Um, I don't know what to do here. Should we do Logan or well, what let's do we talk, do? Well, no. So we have, we should, 
we have to talk about mine and Mike's number one. Yeah. Well, oh, you guys have the same number one. I'm I'm thinking we do. You colluded. I, we probably do have the same. I'm, I'm No, we didn't collude. I have no you idea. Hang out all the time had. and now you're colluding on lists. It's cool. <laughs> cool. My number one is Christopher Reeve. Me too. Wow. All right. Mike, this is this is more mere uh, certainly more, not certainly not heavy cavil. <laughs> okay. um, Come on, I would have put cavil above Reeve on my list, but go ahead, yes, go ahead. <laughs> well, that that's that's why we invented dynamite to blow up mountains. Um, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, look, I think that you know Christopher Reeve was the first. I mean, he was that first big screen superhero that embodied a character and embodied it for the entirety of his life. Like yeah. he was the first person that brought a character from the printed page to the big screen in a way that made you believe in Superman. Uh, you believed that he was that guy, not, not because he was flying around in some like janky, you know, wire worker, however they did it, you know, like it's not that it's just like as Clark Kent, as Superman, he just embodied this decency and this goodness uh, that long before we had a Marvel Cinematic Universe, long before it was cool to like superhero movies, like long before the era that we're living in right now, he played this role uh, that was so big and so iconic that he still, it, those are still, that's the tights and capes that the cape that you need to fill when you play this guy. And as much mm -hmm. as some of our friends are like, oh, you know, he was one thing and you don't like Henry Cavill because it wasn't Christopher, whatever. Like, it's true. Like, I think that with, he represents all the things that make Superman my favorite hero as a person, as a human being, as everything. And I think that if you're looking at the Mount Rushmore of superheroes, if you're looking at the entirety of cinema yeah. uh, and people portraying superheroes, I don't think you can do it without having the first gentleman of superheroes up there. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm with Mike. As, as, as much of a fan I'm not really of the older Superman movies, you can't watch a clip from any of those with him and think that, boy, this hasn't aged well. I mean, you look at the rear screen projection with the flying, like, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of silly. It's a little dated. It's a little cheesy, but you listen to him, he and Lois talking on the balcony, Yeah, anything that he does as Clark Kent. I mean, there's so much, there's so much effortless, uh, effortless sweetness and an effortless goodness that is in him that, um, Every live screen version of Superman since him has has struggled has struggled to get. I don't know if we will get that. Um, but as Mike said, he was the first. And you know, we say the MCU may not happen without Robert Downey Jr. Superhero cinema may not happen without Christopher Reeve. That's a fair point. Both great defenses of Christopher Reeve. I'm not gonna counter. I, I love that Superman. I love the first two films. Three and four, uh, but like Less the first. The less said about three and four, the better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but one and two are extraordinary. And whichever cut of two you enjoy, I like both cuts. I couldn't – I enjoy I? both cuts for different reasons, yeah. But Christopher Reeve, you're right. I mean, that's a, it's a good thing that sometimes you – it's a good thing to remember because sometimes people forget, you know, that uh, he has such a deft touch as Clark Kent, uh, you know, uh, and then when when he's making the switch between the two, right? Like I was mentioning with Michelle Pfeiffer, he's a, it, it's Clark Kent is completely different from Superman. Two different people, uh, yet two different types of vulnerability when they do get vulnerable as those specific characters. And so that's fun to enjoy. And certainly took a really good actor. And Christopher Reeve was a really good actor. Don't let the good looks fool you. That guy had the goods on stage yeah. and on screen. So uh, it is a fantastic performance. 
totally, totally. Um, my number one is uh, Logan, and it occurred to me my Mount Rushmore looks a little bit angry. So uh, it's missing <laughs> Mount Rushmore. So I apologize to everybody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like to me, this is the performance of. I mean, so many movies, uh, so many X Men movies. He he carried. And he was always damn good in, even if the movies themselves weren't great. And some of them were really great. Some of them weren't. He is always good in all of them as Wolverine. There's not a unbelievable note in any of the movies uh, in his performance. But Logan is really the one uh, for me. It just speaks volumes to me um, about what this character has is going through and it has experienced. And looking back on his life, it's such a reflective film. It is a sad film. It's a tragic film. But Hugh Jackman embodies that in such a powerful way. So when you see him, uh, you know, connecting with X-23 or tough loving X-23, uh, and you see him have the last moments with uh, with uh, Professor X, and you see his passing and his realization of what happened, then seeing the younger version of himself, the angry guy, seeing himself again when he was in his 20s or whatever and 30s and dealing with the pain of being this thing he's watching himself again and the rage the uncontrollable rage uh and having to battle that as a final battle in his life to put it to bed once and for all and then giving that wonderful message to daphne keen at the end don't let them tell you what you can be they want to do that you do your own thing it's so brilliant uh it's heartbreaking it's still still one of my favorite performances because he is the old school anti here. He does not want to save the day. It is the Mad Max kind of approach to things. Don't ask me to do it. I don't want to do it, but gets roped in anyways. And when he does, he fully commits to saving everybody uh, at the expense of himself, as we mentioned with Robert Downey Jr. as well. So that's why it's my number one. I, I think that is all true. And I think kind of to your point, like, first of all, it's amazing to me that we were this close, literally, an accident on the set of Mission Impossible 2, Mission right. Impossible 2 away from not having Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Yeah. And I think that he so completely embodies that character and has embodied that character for 20 years. I mean, yeah. like, like 2000 yeah. is when X-Men came out. We talked about it a few weeks ago. I mean, for yeah. 20 years, uh, he's been Logan through good movies, through bad movies, through mediocre movies, yeah. but he has always been Wolverine. Like, I don't think that anybody, it, it'll be very, very interesting to see. I mean, there was rumors that, uh, that that Marvel and Disney like did approach Hugh Jackman and kind of like, look, we're, we're, we're doing a whole new thing, but do you want to come? And I would believe that and I would buy it. I mean, it'll be interesting to see who comes in to play logan uh in the marvel cinematic universe when the x-men yeah. are introduced and if they're going to be able to fill those shoes but in it, it's interesting as i'm thinking about uh you know these performances that we're talking about it's these people that went beyond just taking what was on the page and bringing it to life it's like they yeah. brought something of themselves into these roles that 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 then translated back into yeah. the roles the store the characters themselves like iron man tony stark in the comics has been adjusted his tone his mm. humor right. he has he is more robert downey jr than he was yeah. before this happened he's a pretty dour dude in the comics yeah you know yeah. there are there are there are multiple uh, artists who when they draw superman and lois lane they're drawing christopher reeve and margot kidder yeah. uh michelle pfeiffer's catwoman forever changed how people view catwoman and selena mm -hmm. kyle even into the the way that her uh the entire Tom King run of Batman uh, that went on the past few years that dealt with the romance between them. I mean, that 
that all, even though Catwoman and Batman have always had that romance, the way it was personified by Michelle Pfeiffer, so iconic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and he, I mean, he, every single one of them, like every single one of these people on all of our lists, the Gal Gadot's, mm-hmm. the Heath Ledger's, like uh, kind of brought as much as they took, I think, yep. from these roles. I agree. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, and, and I think a big thing with Hugh Jackman is, you know, he was a last minute replacement. Yeah. I mean, he came in at the 11th hour and, and had to basically be the lead of a movie. And his commitment to that role through, I don't know, what did he do? Eight movies, nine movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, not just, uh, not just an acting commitment, but a physical commitment. Like he was the first guy to my knowledge that uh, in the superhero field that just got that completely transformed his body. Yeah. I mean, you look at him in the first X-Men movie when he wakes up and uh, under the, underneath the X mansion. And then you look at him in <laughs> and like days in, of future past. Yeah. In, in, in Wolverine. I mean, he's just the, the vascularity. I mean, yeah. the, the, the guy so committed to this part and, and, and a lot of that commitment was for the fans. Like yep. he, he, he knew what they that what the comic book readers wanted from this character, and he delivered. Yep. Well, and I read an article that you know for for him. I mean, he's played a bunch of other amazing parts and amazing roles, and he's super talented. And he's an amazing singer and dancer, mm-hmm. and like all the things. But that for a huge chunk of his life, no matter what other movies he was doing and shooting, he was always either in pre-production. Oh yeah in development, like Wolverine was sort of a constant in his life, no matter what else was going. He knew that when he got done with this, he had to get back to his trainer because Wolverine was coming back. Like he, Wolverine was just a part of his life for the majority of his career. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. So there you go. All right, I don't think we have time to put them all together because it's it's an hour and 14 minutes now, the show. So we should probably wrap at this point. We Uh, gotta put them together. We gotta do it in 60 seconds. I have another show in like five minutes. So we gotta do (laughs) Oh, 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 sorry, we're not yeah, all the outliers. You know, so busy. Well, okay, uh, you're know, late to the show. All right, let's put this. What are the only, the only outliers? If we we're going to take it all, like what? It's it's okay. it's Gal, it's Gal and Michelle. Yeah. yeah. Heath, Robert Downey Jr., Hugh Jackman, and Christopher RDK. Reeve. Those. All right. Oh yeah, Robert Downey. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I didn't say RDJ. I'm not as I'm not as close with him as you are, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we have seven total. I don't know if okay. we can get it down to four because I don't know that anyone is going to give on any of these. But I would say that this is a good list in general. I think that we're each keeping the four that we have, but I think that I don't know how we're gonna how we're gonna duke this out because I know I'm not giving up any. Oh, um, well, I thought we were going to do a gentlemanly thing. See, it's, it's how quickly the, the apple turned, didn't it? See how quickly how, it turned? How does it, okay, okay. How does it, so how does it work? Because you guys both have Heath and I don't, right? Here's what I'll propose. Here's what I'll propose. And so we make it quick. Look, who's ever got the highest number in terms of uh, the ranking, right? So Christopher Reeve, right? You both have a number one that overrules my Logan at number one. So Christopher Reeve could go number one. But I have Logan at one. You have him at two. Yeah, Mike, and you have him where, Shannon? I don't have him at all. Yeah, so uh, and where do you have? What do you have at number two, Shan? RDJ. RC, but I have it lower. So I think Logan should go number two at that point. Okay. Then, then RDJ after that, and then we can argue Heath or or maybe Heath after that, and then RDJ for it. You guys tell me. Well, we have well Heath. Heath has two. Yeah. Michelle has two. I think the outliers won't make it. I think it has to be whoever has two. So Gal doesn't make it. Gal does not make it. So basically we've got Christopher Reeve. Yep. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. Yes. Robert Downey Jr. 
And then it's a tie between Heath Ledger and Michelle Pfeiffer for the wow. villain. Right. I mean, that's what it is. Like, it, we is. Would have yeah. to, it is. We have to, some one of us would have to give on that one. I, I yeah, I don't know. Uh, I think it has to be you because you decided this decision. You made this decision when you were putting your list together, Pfeiffer between Pfeiffer and Ledger and you chose. Pfeiffer. Right. But which one is higher? I have Ledger at two. Where do you have Ledger at, uh, Mike? Oh, you don't have it at I all? I don't have him. So you have it at three. So where do you have Michelle Pfeiffer? Four. And I have it at four. And yeah. So I think two, three beats two fours, don't you? I just told you I don't know math, so I don't know. <laughs> all right, I think that's the answer. Uh, uh, this, well, this, well, this is a this is a sausage fest of a mountain. <laughs> I, I know. Look, what can I tell you? We got to put this thing together the right way. Uh, so, I mean, that seems fair. It's it's our rankings and the way we did it. So it's Christopher Reeve, uh, Hugh Jackman, Robert Downey Jr., Heath Ledger, with Michelle Pfeiffer looking on and smirking at all of us uh, uh, knowingly. Uh, what a bunch of dudes, I'm sure she's saying. Uh, so I respect that and understand that. All right, that's it. we got to wrap it up. It's an hour and 17 minutes, maybe the longest Geek Buddies show we've done. Congratulations to all of us for making it a year, a one-year anniversary. And uh, thank you all so much for being a part of the uh, of the uh, Geek Buddies uh, family and being buddies with us uh, and expressing your geekdom with us. So many of you have come aboard over the last couple of months, last few months, as it's appeared on the Outlaw Nation channel and before saying how much you've enjoyed the show once you've discovered the show and it's become one of your favorite shows uh, to listen to or to hear or to watch. So thank you so much for being a part of our community. Uh, any last words before we wrap up? Where can they find you guys? All that stuff? Yeah, if you'd like to follow us on social media, on Twitter, it's at Geek underscore Buddies. On Instagram, at The underscore Geek underscore Buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you'd like to follow Mr. Vogel, it's at MK Toon. If you'd like to follow Mr. Roca, it's at The Roca Says. Boom. Like uh, and uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, definitely subscribe below to the Outlaw page. Leave some comments. Leave some thoughts. Tell us what you thought of the episode. If you are listening to to us on iTunes or Anchor or Spotify or wherever you're listening to us. Give us some ratings. Give us some comments. Retweet us. Uh, post us on Facebook. Tell your friends if they're bored at home to check us out. Uh, it's been an amazing year. We've had so much fun interacting with you guys, talking with you guys on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we want to do even more of that. Uh, we want to bring you guys on the show and talk to you. We want to yeah. keep this going. Uh, so thank you guys so much for your love and support. Definitely continue with that and definitely bring some more geeks to the party. Yeah, we've certainly talked about doing monthly live streams. So one episode will be a monthly live stream or we bring you all in to talk to us or we answer your questions on the stream labs or the super chats for uh, for the Geek Buddy. So look for that coming up soon uh, with us. We know a lot of you have had nerdy questions. A lot of you tweeted us those nerdy questions and nerdy memes. They're fun for us to talk about. So maybe you can do that on the show. All right, that's it for everybody. Thank you all so much for joining us and we will talk to you next time for another brand new episode of The Geek Buddies. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. 
Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.